Welcome back to another episode of A Harlequin's Podcast. Series and four quarters. My name's Michael, and as always, I'm sat here with my cousin Will. What a bloody weekend we've had, mate. How are you feeling, all right? Yeah, I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling a little bit cooked. If you're watching the YouTube version of this, you'll see how pink I am. We were sat in the PHL stand yesterday, and uh, the sun started on our ankles, crept up to our knees, and eventually ended up cooking us for the entire of the second half. But it was... It was absolutely gorgeous, wasn't it? And uh, we had the rugby to complement it. How are you? Mate, decent. uh, Yeah, real decent. Um, Yeah, such a good day yesterday. It really was. Um, Have you cleaned your shirt yet since Matt Simo? Uh, (laughs) I haven't, though. I will tell the story later, but whatever that bloke tells you to do, you do. Um, I'm sort of used to the weather because I've obviously been outside working the whole time. So I've actually got some um, some pretty decent tan lines, as uh, D-Rodge was pretty quick to point out on our little appearance yesterday on Quinn's Live, my horrendous sock tan. But no, mate, it was good. Um, just trying to think what we've got to talk about. There. I mean, we've had such a long weekend talk to, like building up to this. I mean, since we started getting... Do want to fancy doing a podcast in January? You know, we've been looking forward to actually going to a game together, which is really cool. Um, first time we've seen each other in a long time, which was really nice. And then we've had loads of stuff during the week, some big news within the club, departing players, then the announcement that it was going to be the Pride match of the weekend, and all this kind of stuff building up to actually getting back into the Steve and playing Newcastle. And I think we should start with what actually happened at the end of the game, which is a really, really touching ceremony for the boys yeah. that were leaving. Um, and also we had an amazing send-off for Brownie. It almost had a bit of that feel about the fans being back in the stoop when Minty did his song in 2012. It did have that little atmosphere about it, but I thought it was really cool. I mean, we're losing some names, and we're losing some names that I didn't think we're going to be losing. We're losing some people that obviously we knew were going to be off. Um, I'm sure everyone listens to this is in the full list, but we'll talk about a few of them individually. Um, early, early off the bat, James Lang and Glenn Young were straight away. We knew that from quite a while ago. Um, Michele Campagnaro, he was off. I think we said yesterday we hadn't ever seen the best of him. I think injury might have played a habit and played a part in that. Scott Baldwin, yeah, Scott Baldwin, we've known about for a long time, and, and then obviously Brownie. But um, the ones that surprised me were Martin Landajo, Ben Tapawai, um, Tavita Thadbati, Brett Heron, Glenn, uh, Nathan Earl, players that we hadn't really heard much about in terms of rumours. Ilirilia as well. Ilirilia, yeah. The, the, the two players now leaving at Hooker, we, we look a little bit light in that department. But yeah, we do. just want to touch on what you said at the start there as well, and, and that sort of ceremony at the end of the game. If It was really special to be a part of and just be a fan in the ground again. It felt like a real community. You got to see a lot of emotion, which as a fan, you don't get to see too much of from the players because it's just the emotion they show competing on the pitch. Um, and then they're back in the changing room and it felt like we we were let in to that that quite mm. unique moment. Um, the doors were open and, and fans were welcomed into it and it was it was great. And I mean, I'm not sure if you can tell from my voice, it hasn't fully recovered yet, but yeah. it gave us a real opportunity to, to thank the players with with hopefully what was some memorable chanting, singing, um, occasionally even some dancing. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I absolutely loved it. It was really special. And it was one of those moments where a full pack stoop would have been quite, quite something. And I think the the crowd in attendance really did do the extra mile and, and make that extra noise to, to try and make it sound like a full house stoop. The place was rocking. It was awesome. It was incredible. I think that's a good and point, it- though, because I don't think maybe had it been a normal year, that would have happened, you know. If, if we there'd have been fans in the whole the whole time as in, as in a normal year, those players leaving might not have had that on pitch sort of goodbye because they haven't 
seen the I'd fans like to all think year. So I maybe really they, maybe like they will. Maybe, so. maybe I, I maybe loved I'm it. I just read that, but I either thought that if they'd have been in all year, maybe doing a full ceremony in front of a full house because you'd been able to connect with them all year, you would have seen them play more rugby in some other competitions. Maybe that wouldn't have happened. It, of course, it would have done for for the likes of Brownie, but. Um, I think you're right. It, it actually felt really, really special to be a part of that. And especially because, you know, we've been doing this now. We've actually got to know a few of the players. Um, not any of the ones that are, you know, leaving immediately, but um, just knowing a bit about them in terms of sort of some of their stories and things they do and, you know, family stuff and things that people have told us. It, it, you do feel like you know them. And actually having that chance to stand in the DHL stand surrounded by a lot of, you know, really long-term Quinns fans and say goodbye to some people was really, was really nice. Yeah, and so important as well. Like, we've got to be real about these things, and and we are, and the club are. Um, every season, you lose a certain group of players. There's a bit of turnover, as there is with every club. Just thank God we're not like Worcester and losing twenty of them. Yeah, <laughs> a but... real, real shift there. But yeah. um, it happens, and it will continue to happen. And I think the the club did really well to to send them off in a really appropriate way. And all the tributes they did for Brownie with the videos on the screen and giving DC the mic. Um, he does really that well, cool. doesn't he? He really does cool. that yeah, so he does well. That brilliantly. He's definitely got a career in that afterwards and he definitely knows it as well from all his podcast work and punditry work. But no, it was great. And what was really exciting for me is you felt a confidence about that group and that you felt that there was a real connection between them. Nothing was just it wasn't just done for PR. They actually really care about each other and really want to win for each other. And there was a few jokes in there about going across the road to Big Steep in a couple of weeks. We'll see you then, that kind of thing. And it was that kind of confident arrogance that really filled me with confidence as well. And I'm desperate to get my hands on some tickets to go down to Ashton Gate. And I, even if I'm not there and I end up watching on TV, I think we're going to see a real snarl about us. I really, yeah. do, really do think the boys, uh, every single one of them will put in 110% because the group around them, you can tell, means so much to them. And it's it's really cool to watch. And it makes you proud to be part of the club. Yeah, I mean, the one I actually saw a clip on um, Twitter this morning an interview that Scott Baldwin did and he said that being at Quinn's reminded him of why he fell in love with rugby in the first place and oh, you know it reignited, reignited his love for it after you know, a couple of years out of the mire in the international setup at Wales um, and then you know Tex made a bit of a joke on the Quinn's life thing about coming on so yeah. hopefully we, we can get that across the line and we'll, and we'll get we'll get, we'll, on, we'll, get the, we'll get the big lad on um, well, we'll, we'll make that happen um, Ben Tapawai I think I think he's a really really good player um, I've actually, a really I've good actually got, bloke as well. He's a really good bloke. After a game, he's always yeah. saying how he he loved it out there. He gave his all. Thanks to the fans, etc. And we'll, we'll go again. He he comes across really well as well. And actually, we were obviously fortunate enough to be there. And as you leave the the stadium in your separate tiers because of COVID, we were one of the last ones. And you can see the the players' families coming onto the pitch and kids running on and they coming over to see their their wives and girlfriends, etc. And it just really felt like you you were in the exclusive moment where you wouldn't normally see that kind of thing and you got a real feel for the club. So um, thinking, I guess, for those that haven't seen the Quinns live, because it, it does coincide with uh, BT Sport coverage. So you may not see it, you may choose that. That's something that I've done previously, but also tuned in um, occasionally to Quinns live. Absolutely loved it. Um, basically, we were given the opportunity to, to speak to, to Dave Rogers, who presents the show. Um, it's a pre-match show for, for Harlequins and it's it's literally just like a Quinns fan show. It's brilliant. Um, interviewing players, interviewing staff, interviewing yeah. Muppets like us. Um, and we just talked about the pod, why we started, as I'm sure you all know. Um, and then I managed to make a bit of a fool of myself and was asked who's got the better Quinns knowledge out of the <laughs> two of us. And I fairly confidently said myself. 
only for, for D-Rodge to pick up a clipboard and proceed with a quiz that I would end up losing. So uh, here's for that one, D-Rodge. Yeah. Um, we'll uh, we'll, we'll get that clip. I think the uh, Russ from, from Harlequins is going to clip that and send that just in the week, which, which would be good fun to watch. Yeah, made me look like a right Muppet, but I want that rematch. Um, I've got plenty but, of stick about my uh, P teacher's sock tan as well. I'm glad they kept the camera where they did. <laughs> <laughs> what I really hated is people will watch our YouTubes and they'll oh, see yeah. us just on the screen. I don't know if you, well, a few of you might have met Michael yesterday. He's like six foot seven. And I'm six like, foot five, not six, six foot seven. All right, still, that's I'm <laughs> six foot, That's still five inches taller than me and you just dwarfed me. I look tiny, but yeah. anyway, that's... Uh, the gene, the gene pool and the uh, the Simon Wood side of the family. I don't know where that's come from because dad's not that tall. Must come from mum's yeah. side, but um, yeah, it was quite funny, wasn't it? But mate, so much fun. Um, and of course, it was the Pride Day, um, Quinn's second Pride game and... Um, we also went into the ground with our with our shirts on, as just as normal fans. And then, uh, you know, we got given a couple of pride T-shirts to wear in the wear in the stands, which is really really cool. Um, yeah. My pride flags, the yeah, pride uh, flags, the front of my pride T-shirt, the front of my pride T-shirt is absolutely covered in IPA um, at the minute. I haven't washed it yet. Um, got a bit busy last night um, drinking some more beers, but as the players are doing their lap of sort of honour at the end of the end of the game, and obviously, you know, we've we've. Got to know a few of them, so a few of them looking over to us. Our boy Lewis Liner gave us a little gave us a little wave. I actually saw him come out of the ground zone in his car and had a little chat with him, which was nice. Um and Steph and Matt Simmons were like sort of walking quite near the front of everyone. And I was obviously I had a cup of drink and I was screaming. We were rowdy. There was no way. We were rowdy, and everyone else around us was enjoying it. And I was saying, Oh, come on, Steph, you're gonna take us to Twickenham. We're going to the big steep. And Matt Simmons looked me directly in the eye. And I had a full pint of IP on my left hand. He looked me directly in the eye, absolutely soul-destroying look. And told me to chin my point. And I was like, look, if Matt Simmons tells you to do that, you do it. You know what I loved about that as well is I don't know, I don't think he's got social media because I No, no, he hasn't. I tried to look because I tried he, to tag him or something. He is an enigma. <laughs> like, what who is this man? What's he about? No idea about his personality. Very, very off the radar. And yeah. um, maybe we he, can get him on with tech. On maybe we can get those two on. Even on the pitch, he, he goes about his business, he goes under the radar, he's the general. And to see him sort of look over with a wry smile and tell you to chop your pint was like, okay, here he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the big man. <laughs> Got a little insight into Simo here. Yeah. No, I'd really enjoy that because I was I'd obviously never met him. I'd never spoken to him. We've not interviewed him on here. And I've got this guy who I've watched for the last two or three years since he's been with us. And he's a he's a superb player. He really he's is. Brilliant. He's, he's such a brilliant hero. he's such a brilliant player for us. And when him and Steph are playing together in the second row behind that front three, that is that that tight five is so integral to everything that we do. Um, but yeah, if he looks you, you know, dead in the eye and gives you an instruction. Gotta go. He's gotta follow, go. You follow through, and if he says jump, you say how high, how high, Mr. Simmons. But no, it's good. Um, <laughs> Talking about Simo, he obviously had a, a try ruled out, um, unfortunately for him. He doesn't get to yeah. score too many, so he'll be a bit frustrated about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the performance. 54-26, if if my mind recalls correctly. I mean, we were very much in the in the party mood, so the, the score may have slipped away from us slightly, but I'm pretty sure it's 54-26. It was a lot to not a lot. Um, what did you make of the game? Obviously got a different perspective this time being sat sideways on in the DHL stand, getting yeah. all bases of the game covered, not necessarily the, the commentary or anything like that, but no. what were your general thoughts? Um, first half was an interesting one because, I mean, we scored quite early. Um, Jack Kenningham gets another like, try opener um, in front of some fans, which, which was awesome to see. Um, but then it was a bit, flat's not the right word because the actual atmosphere on the day was brilliant but we just didn't quite click into gear as I think we probably could have done 
Um, the first half, what was it? What was it? Half time, 20. 28-12. Maybe I think I think that actually flatters us a little bit because I don't think we played that well yeah. in, the, in the first half to be you know close to twenty points clear. Um, and then in the, in the second half, you know, we we showed our class um, and we showed what we're capable of. Um, but what was quite nice to see was that I'm just looking at the um, the sort of scorecard. I guess it's what you want to call it from yesterday. We made quite a lot of conservative um, substitutions to rest players for the next weekend you know for top fours we know what we're doing next weekend now we had that chance to actually just you know take a few boys off so you know Tyrone Green who is is, is our fullback now in, in the absence of Brownie he came off in the 62nd minute Marcus came off with 10 minutes to go you don't often see that um, Danny came off in the 65th minute Marla usually plays 80 the whole front row came off within about you know four or five minutes of each other um, and Matt Simmons as well James Chisholm came back on which is really nice but we just showed a bit of class in that last 20-odd minutes. Um, amazing to see Lewis get on, the, get on the score sheet. Good to see him back. Um, oh, I'd like what to a see, try as yeah, well. Yeah, great try. He, that, he checked yeah. the defender and then goes wide. There was a real sort of um, composure about that, which perhaps at his age you wouldn't expect. You'd expect him to get the ball, see the line and just go. Yeah. Like, I actually saw crazy. Tim Visser, the old uh, the Flying Dutchman, tweet. What uh, He said something about him being an excellent finisher. I don't know the exact yeah, tweet, but it was a finisher, you know, it? It, it, it was a finisher's try because... He's sort of shaped to come inside and you think maybe he'll try and attack, attack the inside shoulder and then actually he just went, nah, nah, going to beef over. Created so much space for himself. Yeah, created that little extra, extra half yard and then big, big stretch, slams the ball down and that was good. Um, and I thought I thought he, play, he played really well actually when he came on. He was, uh, when he came on, when he started, he was attacking the ball in the air with real bravery. You know, a couple of times, you know, we kick and he's running running ahead of himself and he's looking at the ball the whole time, doesn't take a look and switch his eyes off the man, goes up, goes up to take the catch. Um, that was really good. I really enjoyed Ben Tapa's performance. Um, yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's quite a, underrated. Again, is a really unfair term. He's not underrated at all. He offers something that we actually spoke about a few a few weeks and months ago. That slightly older head in the midfield to complement Marcus quite nicely because he's not a yeah. massive ball carrier, but he's certainly not you know going backwards in the tackle. And he's also got that sleight of hands. He's a left foot kicking option. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's a real classy player. He real is classy. classy. He, is. he can like, do it all, can't he? He can yeah. kick from hand, he can, he can throw the pill about, but um, I wish we discovered that he could play a little bit of ten a little bit earlier on because yeah, he would have been a great understudy and he would have been a great man to keep if he can play that role because yeah. there will be times where Marcus goes to England and we're obviously signed to Masso Allen and I imagine he'll get the order Italy call up and tap stepping in at 10 for a few games. I don't think it's a bad thing. So as you say, wise head, full-blooded international for Australia. Um, he's been around the block. He's he's been about a little while. He's yeah, just a real classy player. Yeah, um, very classy. People love him as well. Yeah, they you've do. Got to keep you've got to keep that culture mm. and that real sort of love for each other to to in order to drive each other forwards. And he felt like one of them. I remember when um, Francis Saili was playing for us, and again, he's another player probably in the same bracket as Michele Campagnaro. We exactly. haven't seen the best of him because of injury. But I know that you know because of their heritage and them being you know Southern Hemisphere Island boys. Um, you know, Polynesian roots. I know that Francis is a full New Zealander, but they had quite a special bond, I think. They were very good mates in the club. You saw quite a lot of social media stuff for them guys being very, very close. Um, yeah. And then when Francis left, I think he went to Biarritz from memory. Um, yeah, maybe you think he, he might, have lost, might have lost a mate, but actually he's he's brilliant. I, I really, really like him. And I remember when, I think it was, I was when Andre had his, had his child and he didn't play in the Exeter game and Ben Tapai stepped in at 12. 
and had a really good game. And actually, you think that's quite an important thing for us because of how well Andre was playing at the time. Um, yeah. And that's then, a really important point, actually, mate. Before you move on to your next yeah. thing, we've we've lost some really high profile players in really key positions. When you think yeah. about Will Evans, you think about Mike Brown, you think about Andre Esterhazen. These mm. are three superstars that have been at the core of everything good that we've done this season. You've then got Jack Kenningham coming in, who has been exceptional. You've got Benny Taps and Luke Morthmore stepping in at 12. Mm. And you've got Tyrone Green at 15. And to be able to perform the way we've been performing still, almost like we haven't missed them is no. probably quite, an, not necessarily an exaggeration, but quite a bizarre thought, the fact that you've got Brownie, Esther Hayes, and then Evans, who the, the real spine of our team. I mean, Andre and Will Evans are probably like, the two standout players of our team. Exactly, playing, but it's a real testament to the lads that have come in and to be able to keep the machine rolling in the way it's been rolling. Massive. Do you and think we're really changing our? Well. Do you think we're changing our our style slightly? I know that Andre takes so much front for a ball, and we'll talk about selection later on for the for the Bristol game. But do you think we've changed our our style somewhat? I don't even think we have. I just think, I think the style stayed the same. It's just so much more impactful with Andre at 12 because yeah. he's, he just, A, he suckers people in and if he wants to give it, then he's created so much space. And if he doesn't want to give it, he's knocking people much further backwards than any other 12 that we've got because of the sheer size of the man. So I don't think anything is that different, which is probably why the other players have been able to slot in so well yeah. because they know the way we play. Um, the other one for just, me is actually... He's just I'd, a bit of a freak. Yeah, he is. The, the other one for me is I really love seeing Joe Marchand back at 13. Yeah, I did. I just, I don't, we, we lose something when he's out on the wing. I know we spoke about it again a few weeks ago when we had um, Lang at 12 and we had Northmore at 13 and we had Marchand at 14. For the balance of the side, he had to play there and we were missing yeah. wingers. Obviously, Aaron Morris is back now, Lewis Lyon is back now, Caden Murley was back on the wing, which is you know a really good sign for us. A bit more yeah. depth in that back three area. I, we, we do miss something when Joe Marchand isn't playing at 13. Um, yeah, and what was definitely. actually a really, a really nice moment. Literally, as the players ran out, he was on our side of the pitch, um, obviously chasing the kickoff. And I think we have probably stood up and started screaming and shouting and getting the boys going. And this big get him March, yeah. get him March. Had, had this big, had this big smile on his face, which was really nice. But no, having him at thirteen, I think is is crucial for us. And obviously, he made that transition out to the wing because he's great under the high ball. He's, he's agile and athletic, and it's great to see that. Although we've moved him back to thirteen yesterday, he still played that role at kickoff time of moving out to the wing and competing for that ball at the restart. So you've got a, it doesn't matter what number you've got on the back of your shirt. You've got to use your player's strengths, and that's been identified as one of his strengths. And it doesn't matter if he's wearing thirteen or eleven or fourteen; he's going to play that role at the restart because he's good at it, and that's yeah. really important. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, a couple more things that was, you know, really weird for us. Um, and so, so lovely. Obviously, we bumped into um, Kathy Churchill, who did that really amazing piece um, with Quinns. And everyone, I, I presume most of you have seen on social media. If you haven't, make sure you go check it out. Scott Ranger, 82, I think is her Twitter handle. And she's a massive Quinns fan. And we were really lucky to meet her yesterday and have a really nice chat. And again, it's one thing that we found really weird is that we hadn't, we were bumping into people yesterday and people coming up to us that we'd only seen on a, a small Twitter icon or Instagram profile. And there were quite a few people that came up to us and said that they really enjoyed the podcast, which is you know, really, really nice to hear. And um, it was a lovely day and just being there was class. I think it sums up the fact that it was a pride fixture, but yesterday really felt like a day of love. Yeah, it did. Like, it, people coming together again, there was a real positivity about the place and there was a lot of love. And we definitely felt the love with people sort of saying how much they love the podcast. And it really does mean a lot to us. And um to be able to to share that and obviously the the club demonstrating their commitment to 
to LGBT um, and with their second Pride fixture, um, and there'll be another one next year. It just really did feel like a day of love, and you throw in that ceremony at the end. Yeah. I think it was massive. I absolutely loved it, and I can't wait for the next season to kick start and get more people in there, and, and we go again. Yeah, spot on. Um, we obviously spoke about the ceremony. I was not 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 close to tears, but just hearing Mike Brown talk in front of the fans. Um, we've spoken about him so much on this this you know, small bit of media, um, but look, gonna miss him. I think the way DC does that with the microphone as well, and there's something about Danny as a as a man within the club, and you know having Brownie carry him carry his kid around on his shoulders and just you know say goodbye yeah. was was really really nice. And um, yeah, it's home for him. It's it home is. for him. And he said he said that as well. And yeah. you actually said in that interview that he was your your dream podcast guest, Brownie or Nev. So I actually yeah. went a little bit rogue. I went a little bit different. I thought, you know what, end of season's coming. How can we have like an end of season party on the, the big party, don't we? The big man text Kevin Batty. He's gonna yeah. go off, and we actually got verbal commitment from him. Um, Not even verbal actually, commitment. As he was doing the lap of honour, he gave us the film. It's out calling. there. There's evidence. Text. We're getting you on, son. Text, it's going to be great. Coming, I reckon we should do an end of season awards. So um, whenever that may be, we'll, we'll do some podcast awards, your player of the season, etc. And Maybe we'll, we'll get text on to, to co-host that with us and we'll maybe do like a, um, a Suva Baby Award for, for good vibes. <laughs> I might, yeah, 100%. I might... Um... I might we might drop him a DM. I want I want a super super baby vest and bucket hat, and we'll all present uh, present the super baby podcast awards in conjecture with a <laughs> some stash. No, that'd be class. Um, should we look ahead? Let's do it. Bristol. I mean, for regular listeners and people that have followed our stuff for a while now, we um, did a sort of joint podcast with uh, Pete Brilly from Bears Beyond the Gate podcast. Almost feels like months ago now. It wasn't even that long ago, um, and we thought you know now that everything's confirmed and we're off to Ashton Gate next weekend we thought there'll be uh, no better way to have a little look inside the Bristol camp so this is our little chat with Pete from earlier on so a few weeks since we've spoken welcome back to the show Pete from Bears on the Gate podcast first things first how are you I'm good yeah bit bit hot and sweaty uh watched the football today quite enjoyed that you know I do like uh, all sports and uh actually probably a slightly better performance than I was expecting really so um yeah yeah good good thanks I watched it in my largely hungover state from our antics yesterday down at the stoop on a brilliant day in sunny June sun. Should we talk? Uh, should we talk the game? Did you watch much of it? Your game yesterday. I, yeah. I saw. Um, I, I saw like some of the the highlights through my kind of fingers in my eyes because you know you looked like you were you were playing pretty fast and loose and looking pretty pretty good. So and I did see some of the stuff, the nice stuff at the end when you were. Danny Kerr was handing out like it looked like yeah. framed, like framed photographs to various people, and it looked like a really nice atmosphere there. So, so all round, I bet you were all uh, cock a hoop down the stoop. Definitely were, definitely were. I think that's quite a nice point to touch on as well. I'm I'm, I'm pleased you saw that because quite often, as with any business, you you get a bit of turnover at the end of a season, particularly in sport, and we're losing quite a few players, um, albeit not as much as Worcester, who are shipping twenty of theirs, which is quite incredible, but. Um, it often goes under the radar and it was really nice. It felt like a real celebration yesterday down at the Stoop. Um, it was the second time we've done a Pride fixture as well. So it's really good to to position the, the club as, as forward thinking and, and standing up for, for societal issues. But then also to be able to support our leaving players in, in a way that I've never seen us do those public presentations. And it was just really nice. It felt like a real, real nice team to be a part of and and hopefully we've got two more weeks instead of one more week as, as a group so <laughs> wow. um i guess that leads me on to 
to you and, and where your headspace is ahead of this weekend. We're obviously away at Ashton Gate, which we kind of suspected for a little while. Did you kind of suspect that as well? And also, how do you feel going into it? You've had, I, I suppose it's fair to say, a, a rough couple of weeks with a defeat at Sale and then a real tough battle at Leicester. Is the week off helping you? Yeah, I mean, it could go either way. I mean, obviously, we didn't realise the game was going to be, was cancelled on Saturday morning. So, obviously, they were kind of, I guess, the squad, the 23 were all in game mode for for whatever detailed plan they had for Irish. I mean, we felt that it was quite a good game to have uh, at the end of the season because we were, were kind of assuming that we'd play you. So, it, a kind of similar type of contest, we thought. Um and uh, so I guess on that sense, it's a bit of a shame we didn't didn't have that dress rehearsal. Clearly, as you alluded to, we had a bit of a, a bit of a battle at Leicester the week before. So I guess any rehabilitation time for some of those battle wounds was not a bad thing. My only yeah. slight caveat is that a couple of our players that have just come back from injury, particularly Harry Randall and Harry Thacker, perhaps could have done with like one more game to get up to real sharp match finishes. Although worryingly for you Harry Randall started against Leicester and, and, and actually pr- looked pretty sharp so I think Danny Kerr will suddenly start having a few uh, maybe just a not sleepless nights this week but but definitely have to have a little think about uh, what's going to happen because I'm pretty confident that Randall will start on Sunday hey don't you worry about our Danny Kerr okay, don't, <laughs> don't worry about DC don't DC you worry about him Charles played <laughs> Harry Randall with Danny Kerr yeah <laughs> Well, that's the one thing I was going to ask you because I, I haven't got the in-depth knowledge of a Bristol squad. Are there any players that actually you might sneak in? I know that Carl Sinclair wasn't meant to play. Max De Heap was meant to start at prop. So are there any anyone else like that? I mean, Lua Tua, I don't think, was in the side when the team came out. Is that just yeah. a Bristol? No, Lua Tua was. No, I mean, Sinclair got a kind of hamstring pull. That was what was partly what caused all that misery at Leicester yeah. that we won't go into. But Sinclair, I hope, will be back. He'll obviously want to be playing. Um, sure I'm will. sure either him or John Afoa will 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 start or come off whatever. Um, depending, be interested to see what they if they do start with Afoa, what they put on the uh, on the substitution card this time round. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, no, I think we're pretty much at full whack. The only person that we haven't seen much of and we haven't heard much of is Siva Nualago. He's been out for quite a while. Yeah. Um, my, I suspect that he's not going to be uh, back again. And he's potentially could have been quite a big weapon for us. Um, and there was some talk that we saw Brian Byrne, our, one of, you know, our kind of was our replacement hooker and then became our forward walking around in crutches. So, you know, I think that's, that's, possible hooker we're not quite sure what, what's going to be going on there I mean we've obviously got Thacker back we've got Capon who's been a real stalwart young lad mm-hmm. who's, who's really grown into the role so apart from that um, you know I, I think we're all looking pretty good so uh, I mean Charles Piertow wasn't in the side but I think they were resting him I mean he's a yeah. bit of a fragile little thing Charles you know he, <laughs> he uh, I mean probably because he runs so many more meters than anyone in a game so he yeah. has to have another game off afterwards but I mean, of course, but Max Malins has been playing out of his skin as well. So, I mean, I think, you know, clearly we're, we're at home. We've got fans. We'll go fully locked and loaded to, uh, to, to, to win by, you know, we'll want to put on a show, won't we? So um, I just think it's going to be a fantastic occasion. I think you're in an absolute rich vein of form. You're confident. We... Perhaps it's the sort of game that we'll rise to as well, um, having had a couple of miserable sort of dirty games against Sale and, and Leicester. So I'm, I'm hoping for rugby's sake, it will be a close game and we'll just nick it right at the end. I again. think it will be. I think it will be the people's final, wasn't, won't it? Because like we say, Exeter and 
and say it will be a proper physical battle. But, you know, if it's the weather's going to be like it has been the last couple of weeks, then it's going to be a sunny afternoon down at Bristol and people are going to be throwing the ball around. I don't think that we are that bad on the injury front. Obviously, you know, suspension more than anything. If we do make it to the final, I know that Andre Hazen does become available, whether they, they pick him or not. I'm not sure if we got there. But I think injury-wise, there will be no surprises for us. I think we've actually had some pretty consistent runs of selection in the last few weeks so I don't think there'll be any surprises from that but should we uh, I remember in the last time we went for a proper nail on score prediction so we go all three go top to bottom so go on Will give us your, give us your prediction down at Ashton Gate next week uh, yeah I think there'll be no surprises for us but it, there'll be a few new faces for you Pete that you, you may not be too familiar with obviously last time we played you we, we had a full side to pick from but obviously Andre Estahajan is suspended so he won't be playing 12 so we won't get that monstrous clash of, of Semi, Ranrana and um, and Andre together. Um, but that, that's got pros and cons to it because I'm sure you put a lot of attention into Andre and, and perhaps you will neglect that area now, which could benefit us. Will Evans obviously out injured, our superstar seven, who's made double turnovers than anyone else this season. Okay. He's missed, missed half the games, but we've got our, a young gun in Jack Kenningham who, who looks a real, real prospect. And I can't wait to see how he goes against some, some top quality bat rows that, that you lads have got. Um, and then obviously Brownie, big loss for us, that experience at the back of the park. Um, but we've got Tyrone Green there now, who's absolutely electric. So I think there'll be a, new, a few new faces there that perhaps um, could be deemed as weaknesses, but may surprise you. So I'd keep an eye on those three. My prediction is I think Quinns will do it. I do think that Quinns will do it because I think of we, we, of course I think that, but we've got that underdog tag. Um, we're coming down there. I think we'll thrive off that underdog tag and I think we'll thrive off the buzz that the classic Bristol Bristolians Ashton Gate noise that gets made. I think some teams would crumble there, but something about our lads absolutely love that. And they really love to cause an upset. Um, score wise, I don't think it would be as high scoring as we saw last time. I don't think it would be like that. I think it'd be real tough. Um, maybe t- I'll be in the twenties again. I'm going to go for Quinn's 25 Bristol 21. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, actually. I mean, having said all this Wins stuff... are going to win. No, I agree with you that it would be close. I agree with you that it would be close. I mean, and I agree with you, it may not be such a big kind of tri-fest. I think, mm. um, you know, it's all very well, I say, that we throw the ball around. But, I mean, Bristol also, we we have based a lot of our play on, on a really solid pack and a really good set piece. Um, I mean, I think it will be interesting how the set piece goes, how the scrum goes. Obviously you've got Joe Marler, you've got Sigler, hopefully be there. There'll be all that banter. Um, and that makes it, you know, that makes a big statement, particularly in the first half. If, if, a, if a team is solid, um, it could, it could psychologically give, give one side a bit more of a, an edge. So I still think that the forward, the forward contest will be really interesting as well. And obviously you mentioned you've lost your, your kind of jackler in chief, Will Evans. Um, I'm, I'm, we're wondering whether Dan Thomas will will start because he's our real he's our kind of jackler in chief as it were and our, our nuisance and he had quite a few games out and then was was back for for uh, for Leicester and was in the side I think for the London so I, I'd be interested it depends how Pat wants to play it whether he wants to kind of bulldoze you a bit or whether he's uh, if you know if he thinks that we need to to get a bit more. Um, cheeky at the breakdown so yeah I, I agree so I'm going to go I think you're right I don't I think Bristol it's hard though because I, I can't say Bristol score three because I because I think you might score three so I I reckon it will be we'll score four so I'm going to go 2015 actually a little bit more conservative to Bristol obviously 
I'm looking at the scorecard from the last time we played you at Ashton Gate, and it was 35-33. I'm yeah. looking along the side. I mean, this won't, I don't think it will be that much different. Maybe Randall will start a nine rather than Uren. I'm looking at it, and I'm just thinking there's just something about that side. It's actually a fairly similar side that we actually played yesterday. Maybe a little bit of a shift in the back row with Chisholm and Evans, and then obviously um, Andreas de Hazen. But other than that, it is fairly, fairly standard, fairly, fairly consistent. I'm going to go because I think we will maybe score four and you will score maybe three. So I'm going to go sort of 30, cut the penalty in there, 35, 22. That's my prediction. 35, 22. Big. Big yeah. win. Yeah, no, I'm back points. Yeah, I'm back in it. And also, obviously, we're going to have, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get we'll get in there as well. But there should be up to 500 quins. Noisy Southwest London's rugby fans making some noise at the gate. Either way, it's going to be an absolute cracking day. And I'm very, very much looking forward to it. Pete, thanks so much for giving you some of your time. And I'm very much looking no forward problem. to hopefully catching up with you down there in Bristol. Excellent. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Pete. Well, we've heard what Pete's got to say, and we've had a little bit of intel from uh, from the Bristol camp. Do you want to uh, do you want to talk about selection? Yeah, absolutely. We can talk about our lads, and and first of all, it's great to speak to Pete again. Um, it's another example of, of since we've started this pod and the net where we've been able to build, and we absolutely love doing things like this. So that was that was great, and it was so cool to get the insights and, and his thoughts going into the game. Um, we've definitely got our own. Let's talk team selection. The, the number one thing for me that I don't have the answer to, I'm going to pitch it to you. Go on. Who starts at 12? Uh, who do I think starts at 12 or who do I want to start at 12? Give me both. Give me both. Give me both. I... <laughs> tap one, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, it's tap Y or Northmore for me. Um, yeah. And... I think that if we are going to beat Bristol, we need to be a little bit more brave in the way we play and be a little bit more attacking and throw it, throw it around, but have a little bit more, a little bit more pace, a little bit more speed. I would probably start Luke Northmore because I think he's a slightly more dynamic runner. Um, he's been brilliant this year um, since you know he's come in. He's played even at times where Manondre and, and, and Joe have been been fit and healthy. Um, he might even be in with a shout of getting on a, on a on a summer tour this year with England. Um, I would I'd go Luke Northmore. I just think he's got he's got something that kid, and I really like him. Um, tap wine maybe off the bench if it's getting tight in the last ten. Yeah, potentially. I think um, so. The England summer tour is actually on home ground now, so we'll be welcoming the USA and Canada. I don't know if that changes his chances at all, but oh, didn't know that. Um, he's got a real opportunity in the last. Let's say two games. Let's be punchy. He's got a real opportunity yeah, to, yeah, yeah, there you to go. Put, um, put his hand up and, and get selection because I know the, the current England squad doesn't include playoff teams. Um, you know I can't, just, I can't just, disagree a, with you. As a quick joke, I saw that England thing come out and I was talking to my director of sport about it and I was like, where the hell's are the Queenslands? Where the hell's are the blokes that are on the thing? And then I realised that they hadn't picked the people from the top four yet. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, I was reading about four or five names from the Newcastle team sheet, and I was like, they've left off Dumbrand and Marcus Smith. This is outrageous. And actually, I read that, <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine, we just. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Adam Radwan scored that try yesterday. Which Good try. I don't know if it's down to his brilliance or our poor defending, which seems to be a common theme now, doesn't it? So, um, I, I think playoff rugby. You've got to play tight. You've got to play smart. You need your experience. We haven't got it at 15 in Brownie. I would be tempted to start Tapawai yeah, because he's got that. And then 
we also know how good Luke Northmore is off the bench and how versatile he is as well in terms of covering all those different positions. So I agree it's those two. And I wouldn't be annoyed if it was one way or the other. No, I, I think, think they can both do a brilliant job. It depends on how we want the game to play out and whether we want to try and keep control. I think kicking is a really important part. And we talked about it just now with Pete and he sees the kicking game of Marcus Smith is a real threat. We saw it against Falcons, his, his spiral bombs, everything was yeah. top draw. And if you throw in Ben Tappawai with his left peg as well as a, a second kick, kicking option to to play the game in their half and, and pin them back and, and change the momentum of the game, then he could be a real weapon. So I think that's somebody you start the game with as opposed to bringing them on. Um, so maybe I would be more inclined to go in that direction. But Luke Northmore, gun player, now's his time to put his hand up and, and show what he's really made of. I think you're right. I'd be happy with either. I think we're, we're, we're pretty, um, you know, one, two, three, even down at four with Simo, um, the pint chopper order. Uh, that's fine. Marla Baldwin, low Simo. Steph Lavis was on the injury list. Um, I don't know how serious that is. I'd love him to be fit. Um, gonna need he our captain. Fairly nimble walking around the pitch. After yeah, the he was moving about, so. wasn't he? It wasn't on. Yeah, it wasn't. Didn't have any he, strapping he on. He came off early uh, the week before against Sale. He obviously had a, a Titanic clash against all those monsters that they've got, and mm. came off early with a little knock. So I'm hoping it was just precaution, and he's fit and ready to go this week. Get the captain back in the mix. Yeah, and then six. This is my question to you. Because apart right. from 12, the only other shirt I'm not sure of is six. You've got Archie White, you've got Chisholm, and you've got Lorde. Who I, I thought Lorde had a brilliant game yesterday. Didn't play with, so yeah. I'd stick with, I'd stick with Lorde, I think. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I think you're right. Chis came off the bench, looked looked fine, but obviously didn't see a whole lot of him. But Tom Lorde's almost made that, he's he's earned that shirt now, I think, in, the, in his performance in the last few weeks. I think you're right. And in terms of that, Number 20 shirt, I think I'd go with Chiz as well, which is probably quite cruel on Archie White. But I think yeah, Archie is. White and Tom Lorde are quite similar players. And then Chiz is a little bit different in terms of his, his, his sheer stature and, and ball carrying and physicality. And I think you want someone different, don't you? Yeah. Um, so if Lorde starts, I think you've got to go Chiz at 20. Yeah. The other one for me is on the wing. A couple of shirts up for grabs. Nathan L's on the injury list. So it's Liner, Morris... Merley. Yeah. I thought Morris was exceptional as well yesterday. Um, I well. Obviously, we've been watching these boys on TV for the last however long. You get there in person. You don't realise how big they actually are. Aaron Morris is a monster yeah, on the wing. He's, at, he's real imposing. So I really like him. Um, again, you want another experienced head in there. Come playoff time. It, it really is crunch time. You want someone that's, that's familiar with that. Um He's a bit of a wing fullback as well, isn't he, Aaron Morris? He is, so if, yeah, they, if so they do, that... if they do kick a lot, he's probably he's more adept under the high ball than probably Caden Murley is. But Caden's a very, very dynamic runner, powerful. Yeah, I think um, he's definitely in the squad. Whether he wears twenty three or whether he starts, I'm not sure yet. If you if he does wear twenty three, you've got a back three of Green, Murley, and, and Liner, which is fairly inexperienced. So maybe that is an area that we might want to change going into playoffs, but equally you don't want to you don't want to change too much, do you? So Yeah. I'd like to see, I'd like to see my boy Lewis start. I would. I thought he was awesome. Um, Oscar Beard was so unfortunate. I mean we saw him walk around on crutches yesterday for a kid to make his debut and then you know have a yeah. have a real nice I don't think he'd have made the I don't think he'd have made the playoff cut anyway, No, I, but... I agree. But maybe they wouldn't have if he had a, had a really good game against so and hadn't come off he might have, they might not have rushed Lewis in as quick. They might have had another look at him maybe. Um, possibly yeah possibly I think um, I think we're healthy with the back three mm. so 
The the only question I'd ask you, and I put this out on on Twitter before the game against Newcastle, is we know we're we're. <laughs> I'll be careful not to swear here, but we're very poor at defending. Our defence isn't great. We've just shipped 26 points at home to Newcastle, so we're now going away to to Bristol Bears, a team that scored more points than anyone else in the league this season. Mm. What I suggested could be a solution to ripping up that defence script a little bit is to start two sevens and go Luke Wallace six and Jack Cunningham at seven. Don't know if that's too much of a risk at this stage, and I guess when it gets to this point of the season you're in the playoffs against the number one side in the league maybe you do need to take a risk and, and go with something slightly different but when you've got two jacklers on the pitch causing absolute havoc breaking up their attack and giving you unstructured play maybe that is exactly what we need throwing that one out there yeah come on I rugby think, twitter what have you got I, for me yeah i think if they were going to do that they wouldn't they might have done it against newcastle i think luke wallace hasn't played a huge amount of rugby this year hasn't played a huge amount of rugby for us be a huge call to make I, I, I really do see the things of it though, you know, having two lads steering the ball, two out and out tacklers, Jack Cunningham gets through a lot of work in the carry as well. Um interesting, but don't think don't think they'll do it. Um, I don't think they'll do it, but, but I would then love would, to you know, have seen it. Yeah, I would. I mean Hugh Tizzle was on the bench yesterday. Yeah. James Chisholm was on the bench yesterday, whether they might go for Maybe. Oh, here's here's another good squad question for you. We, I mean, eight, nine, ten. We don't even need to debate, do we? But no. maybe we do on the bench. Martin Landajo or Scott Steele? Landajo's been in pretty good form the last few weeks, hasn't he's, he? He's, he's I think he's every week he's scored three and three, hasn't he? And he's got his own, he's got his own song Martin now. Martin Landajo, still loves you way more than you will. <laughs> Did you hear that was on TV? By the way, I've got. Yes, a clip I of saw that. the link of it. Yeah, so good. love that. It's um, worth a sore throat. The other thing, well, okay, so this is this is the interesting one then, isn't it? Because they we didn't have a replacement ten yesterday. No, you haven't answered the question. No, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer this. Okay, I'm, okay. I'm I answer need this. that answer because I I'm toying with. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd like to see Scott still play, but I don't. I think they'll play Landajo in the form he's been in the last three weeks. I think he's he's at that spot. I think I love Scott still. I think he's brilliant, and he he plays the Quinsway with that. And with Martin injection. leaving, I think that actually is them showing a bit of faith in him for next season. I think it is as well, yeah. But obviously, Martin Landajo, hugely experienced player, international player, been there, done it, won things. Also playing incredibly well. I think he'll get yeah. he'll get that spot on the bench. So here's my question to you now then. We didn't pick a replacement 10 yesterday on the bench. We didn't have Brett Heron when Edwards was on the bench. So it was clear that Taps was going to go and slot in there. I'd imagine in a game like Bristol, they will have a replacement ten in mind. Whether that means that they're going to start Luke Northmore on the in the starting fifteen and have Ben Tapper on the bench under the. I mean, obviously they're, they're going to want to play Marcus for Felati, but I think that might be a way that they actually have a little bit more flexibility. Tap Tapper might start on the bench, and then they won't pick a, a Brett Heron or Edwards on the bench. They'll just have a Tapper in case Marcus does go. Yeah, I think you're definitely in the right territory. I think Taps is that replacement 10 for me. Um, and I guess the reason for that is you, you do have a little bit more flexibility with him. As we said with Luke Morthmore starting on the bench, you've got that versatility of, of centre and wing. And I guess you've got that with Taps as well. I think I think I'd still start him at 12. And, and if, God forbid, anything happens to Marcus, he needs to go off, you can shift him in and bring Luke Northmore on at 12. Yeah. Um, you'd have to be incredibly unlucky to, to lose two two players at 10 and if that does happen you've got Tyrone Green that can come in there and um, one of your back three on the bench maybe it's Naren Morris or whoever can, can slot in or he can move across if he starts on the wing um, and bring a winger on so we've got a great 
versatility in the squad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Taps is the replacement ten for me. Yeah. No, I, I think I agree with that. Harsh on someone like Brett Heron. Will Edwards showed a bit against Sale, but I think big game experience campaigner, Wallaby International. Australian International, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. No, it's the right call for me. Um, cool. I think we've pretty much landed on our team there, haven't we? So yeah, well, I think we're pretty good. Probably I mean, a good place to wrap up and uh, start done... to drive a bit of hype. Oh yeah. my goodness me, we're going to have a lot of fun on Twitter this week, aren't we? Where, <laughs> how do we go about this? Do we start digging the elbows into the bears? How do we go about this? Are you going to get way, the You've got I'm, any... I've got so much faith in our lads and I absolutely cannot wait for the hype to go through throughout the week. The club's going to put out some great stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. The motivation's going to be there. The excitement is going to build as we get closer and closer to Saturday. 1.30 kickoff with the first semi-final. Ah, it's been so any, long. Um, Come on, the boys. Any, you got any social media golden nuggets stored away? For I bet, yeah, I better get ready, haven't I? I better yeah, get some get, things up my sleeve because we do have a lot of fun on our social channels, don't we? And for the last few weeks, I mean, yesterday we were at the game, so didn't put too much banter out there on social, but I'll get a few funny things lined up and, and see what we can do. Look forward to that. But no, I mean... We were again lucky to bump into Phil from the Quinn Sport Association yesterday and I believe there is an allocation of tickets available. Whether we can make it down there or not might depend on a few things personally for me, but look, going to be a hell of a battle down there, isn't it? It's going to be a hell of a battle. I'm really looking forward to just being able to watch it and I hope with all my heart and all my soul, and I said it yesterday in the little video I put out on Twitter, Steph and the boys are taking us to Twickenham on the 26th of June. I believe that and I believe we'll do them. We, we went close we went close down at their place early in the year first game of the year they smoked us well at some point early, early in the year that doesn't count anymore that's, that's many many moons ago but I think we've got what it takes and we're going to do them playoff rugby anything can happen spot on anyway what a weekend we've had thank you so much for everyone that came up and said hello yesterday we had an amazing day so good to be back at home on a scorching hot afternoon the pride game the colours are out there and it was class and we got the win and we are into the playoffs and I'm looking forward to it very very much Will Torch in the week, buddy. Looking forward to it. Cheers, mate. Catch you Cheers, soon. Cheers everyone.